0: They say banks are boring, credit unions are dull We don't agree, we love them all Except for the big banks and neos who Take a market share, make consumers blue Need a fresh perspective, new direction Take back banking and make some connections If you feel stuck, it's not your fault Here's an idea, try thinking outside The vault as a parent of three young children, my life is filled with all the joys and challenges that come with raising humans to adulthood. Making sure these three beautiful people get the right amount of food, sleep, education, play, exercise, and love is a big job. Our life is marked by constant change, and as it turns out, I struggle with the changes as much as my kids do. Hi. I'm Zach Garver, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast for community financial institutions who see themselves as a partner for people's financial success. Not just a place to park cash and make loans. Now, here's what I mean about changes. When my kids were little, my wife and I did everything for them because they couldn't do it for themselves. Now they're capable of so much. They can get themselves dressed, go to the bathroom, wash their hands, brush their teeth, clear their dishes. And so on. But I still fall into the trap of telling them, Oh, ah, Wait, let me do that for you. Because it'll be cleaner, faster, better. It's a trap of convenience and control. Of course, it's easier for me to do those things in the moment. But you know what? My goal as a parent is to raise self-reliant, capable adults who don't wait for somebody else to fix their problems or, God forbid, wipe their bottoms. And that means... I must embrace a life where the simple becomes messy, the easy becomes difficult, and the quick becomes achingly slow, so that we all grow into a better, healthier way of living. Uh, Let me bring this back to community financial institutions. We are facing some big changes when it comes to marketing. Apple, Google, Meta slash Facebook, and other big tech companies are changing the way digital advertising is tracked and measured. Many advertisers are worried about the future and how hard their jobs might get. Fortunately, there is a silver lining. The changes that are coming will provide better privacy and security for everyday consumers. It's gonna be messy, and it may feel harder at first, but the end result will be better for everyone. Well, okay, maybe except for Meta's bottom line. So for some folks, it will feel like something helpful is being taken away. But for community financial institutions, it's an opportunity to develop stronger, more trusting relationships with account holders. And today I have C.W. Warwick, the VP of Consumer Marketing, and Thomas Shields, the VP of Marketing Enablement at Casasa, to walk us through some of these changes and how you can use the situation to your advantage. So, grab yourself a snack and listen close. These two guests are about to lay down some knowledge on us. Thomas Shields and C.W. Warwick, Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Thinking Outside the Vault. I'm excited to have you here. C.W., you're returning. Thomas, it's your first time. I'd love it if you guys would just uh, start out by telling our listeners a little bit about what you do at Casasa. Thomas, why don't you start?
1: Thank you for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation. I've um, been with Casasa for just about 15 years. This year is going to be my 15th oh, wow. year with the company. And I've been in uh, community um, uh, banking for, I guess, almost 20 years. I was a, a bookkeeper and a, a clerk at a bank before I joined Casasa. My main focus at Casasa is on marketing technology, um, big data analytics, uh, just a, a marketing geek at the end of the day. So I'm uh, primarily responsible for our marketing stack, which we've built specifically for community financial institutions.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And then CW.
2: Hello. Thanks, Zach. Um, well, I, um, I lead the uh, consumer marketing department at Kasasa. I've been at Kasasa for five years. Um, and we, we get to use all the amazing, uh, technology and data that Thomas and his team provide, um, to execute marketing programs, um, for all of our clients. So right now we're supporting about mm, 300 community financial institutions across the country, um, with our marketing programs, which is, um, a lot of great fun, actually.
0: Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, a, you know, when, when people ask me about, like the stuff that Casasa does and I start explaining the marketing, like, you know, it's, I think it's pretty incredible how we've set up this, this internal agency. I mean, and, and, it's an external agency too, but it's like, I don't know that there's really anything that that compares to it um, in the industry to, to help, you know, the community financial institutions do the kind of stuff that that we do here, which is also why we were having you on the podcast so that we can have a discussion about what's happening in marketing in in 2022 and some of the things that we're seeing shift and and how we think that'll affect uh, the industry and and what people can do about it. Um, I know there's a lot of, I'm hearing some doom and gloom, uh, but uh, even just from a little bit of our prep for this podcast, uh, I'm also hearing some really hopeful things. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation a lot. Um, I think one of the things that it would be cool to just jump into is, uh, what are you guys seeing on the horizon for 22, 2022? What are the things that you you, you see that are changing? Um, you know, most significantly, I guess. I'm sure there's a lot.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, um, I think if, if anything... We know from the last couple of years, change is certain, right? So, <laughs> I think one of the things everybody should, you know, all marketers should keep top of mind is that um, this is this is an ever-changing landscape, right? It has been um, for the last two to three years, and I think it's just going to continue to to be so. Um, changes in in privacy, um, changes in um, you know what data you can use and uh, what data you can't use. Um, but also we're seeing like massive, massive, you know, consumer shifts, um, on, you know, uh, consumer preference in, um, social media, um, lots of competition in social media. Um, and we're just seeing, you know, it's becoming, um, increasingly, you know, a pretty, um, pretty complicated consumer journey journey. Right. So, you know, I think if anything, when we think to 2022 this year, um, it's going to be how, how are marketers going to stay on top of that? Right and um, engage efficiently. I think that's probably going to be one of the biggest challenges moving forward.
0: Do you think? uh, Do you guys see this change? These changes affecting being equally as difficult for sort of the small shops, you know, like the the institutions with one or two marketers, as the organizations that have you know fully sophisticated teams. Is it affecting everybody equal, or is it going to be? uh, harder for, harder for the smaller people, you know, the smaller organizations.
2: I think, you know, I think smaller organizations are going to have a fair amount of challenge, um, from the perspective that they will be potentially competing with larger organizations that have, you know, uh, technology, um, and scale. Right. So I think that's, that's the challenge, right. One of the things that, that we've built, at Casasa is this amazing platform. I really like to turn it over to Thomas because this is his his work, right? Um, an amazing um, technology platform, um, a lot of um, data science built into what we do. And if you don't have that, right? If if you don't have the advantage of technology um, and data and science, I think I think it is much more challenging to compete in the market. And Thomas, I think you know, be curious to, um, get your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think you cast it really well. I mean, I, there, you know, to your, the point of your question, Zach, about the, the, um, impacts depending on your size, I think there's going to be some, some incongruent impacts to institutions with the changes that we'll see this year, but it's going to depend heavily, I, I think, on what you're already doing. So if you're already heavily invested in, um, uh, marketing technology, you know, and and heavily invested in, let's say, email-based programs. We're going to see some changes in email this year. Then I think you can expect to see some changes in your strategy. Uh, but if you're new, you know, and, and you're just now investing, you know, that there's no better time to start to get into the space and um, to start to to um, you know either look for your own um, uh, roadmap and investments or look for partners that can that can help you. Um, uh, manage the the risk of that implementation or to, to catalyze your implementation
0: okay cool well let's uh so we kind of outlined some things that uh some the, some of the more significant things that we that we see coming um so i, I want to jump into the big one uh which is cookie tracking right um i've heard some news about the loss of third-party cookies and how this might be really maybe even catastrophic for for marketing um but there's some reason to believe that that isn't so uh tell me more about that because genuinely I I am ignorant of this like I know just enough to be like hmm cookies are important for this sort of thing but I'm I'm not clear what's changing and I'm not clear how it's going to affect uh you know the people who rely on them
1: yeah this is a fun uh discussion for sure and I'm I'm uh eager to hear some of CW's thoughts on this as well maybe we can try and cast out um, for those of us new to cookies, what cookies are, and um, there's a couple different types of cookies too. So I'll, I'll do my best here. c helped me along. The, the way I think about cookies is they're um, little you know, items or objects, little files that are placed on your, um, in your browser, whatever browser you're using. And what it does is it helps websites or um, folks delivering content to you on the web optimize what's being delivered to you. Okay. So an example of that might be, um, oh, it, it, you know, it remembers, um, that you had this page pulled up the last time you were there, yeah. or it might, um, remember certain preferences you have about the page, things along those lines. Okay. And it gets more complicated and more robust from there. There's two, I, I think, Two types of cookies to call out. There's there's three different types, but the two most important for this conversation are first-party cookies, and those are going to be cookies that the website um, puts on your box for the purpose of optimizing. You know, future interactions with that website. And then there's third party cookies that are usually going to be cookies that are placed on your box while you're browsing the web, um, but it's not specifically for the purposes of optimizing that website. And then it's usually more so for building ad audiences and defining preferences around your behavior. The third party cookies are the ones that are going to be retired. Okay. And it's um, under the, the broader umbrella of security and privacy. Um, Google is retiring those third party cookies. And so you're really just going to be left with, um, for the most part, the first party cookies. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. CW, what um, in, in your experience, kind of running programs for institutions, uh, can you talk a little bit about your about you know say our reliance, Kasasa's reliance on on these two types of cookies to run successful marketing?
2: Yes, absolutely. So you know the 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 end deal here is we are going to be marketing with less information, right? So you know we talked a little bit earlier about. Marketing in the anonymous world, marketing in the digital world. We have, Mm -hmm. you know, over the past few years, been very reliant on any piece of information, any data sets that we possibly can can leverage to understand our audience and to understand what they're doing. Right. That's, you know, when you're when you're dealing with the anonymous audience. Right. Data is is absolutely key. So, you know, we have, we've had the advantage of using third-party cookies. We've had the advantage of using, you know, this really robust pool of data and information to make decisions and to understand, you know, what to market to whom and when to market, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think about the shift um, data and data privacy and the shift of, you know, third-party cookies not being as accessible anymore, and the fact that, you know, I think, you know, it is estimated, I don't know what the the true statistic is, but I think, you know, like a quarter of the digital audience um, will continue to opt in for tracking and, and personalized advertising. So you think about losing like three quarter of your data pool, right? Um, in your yeah. environment, wow. right? That's a hit. So, so when you, you know, hear marketers and, you know, there's just a ton of buzz out there about, oh, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I think that's why. Right. It's it's just we're losing um, an asset, which is um, the data and information we've used to make decisions. Um, now, you know, now what? Right. Well, um, there are a lot of things going on right now. A lot of um, shifts in the industry to different ways, um, you know, to try to make up the gap. So I think we'll continue to see um, new technologies and new tactics um, for us. Just to give you an example. um with, um, iOS 14 and and Facebook, you know, coming out and saying, Hey, you know, we're not going to be able to, um, track, um, all this information anymore and your ability to target to certain audiences is going to be somewhat diminished. Um, so given that, um, you know, we've had to change our strategy, how we set up campaigns, how we track, there are still ways to get around, um, some of these things. Um, so for example, um, with social media, Facebook in particular, we are still tracking, um, we are still tracking clicks. We are still tracking engagement. We are still tracking, you know, what happens when they go to the next destination. So we're bringing those data points now in. So we're just shifting, um, we're adapting. Um, and I, as we said at the beginning of the call, you know, change is, is the constant. I think, um, you know, one of the biggest challengers for marketers, um, today and moving forward is staying on top of these pretty significant shifts in technology and data availability, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you have to stay on top of it because you have to be agile and you have to know when to, to pivot, um, and maybe, you know, change your tactics. Right. Um, but I think all in all, um, it hasn't been, um, it hasn't been as disruptive as I, I think we thought it was going to be.
0: So we're already seeing some of the changes that, that are already happening. For sure, right? They're not. It's not that like there's. We're still. Uh, I guess this is there going to be a moment where like Google flips a switch and it's all just you know and and that data set is just gone or is it a, like a gradual um, ramp down?
2: Well, you know, um, Thomas, I think talked a little bit about first party cookies, right. Um, you know, and first party cookies, I I think are, you know, here to stay, right. These are, these are, this is the information that, you know, marketers we're generating off of our own, um, our own site, right. Our own activities. Um, and I think in some cases there's some second party cookies, right. That can be leveraged for, for some, some data points, um, very, very effectively, um, so I, I I don't foresee that we're just going to wake up one day and not have any you know data to work with um, in the digital space. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think the biggest challenge, as I said before, is just being agile and learning to use what you do have access to. Um, and I think it's an interesting perspective from the consumer side as well, because you know as consumers you know, I think, um, as much as we can respect data and privacy, I think consumers as consumers, we've become a little spoiled because (laughs) we, we do get a lot of hopefully, hopefully relevant, right. Relevant content, relevant advertising pushed our way. Um, and that only, that only comes as a result of, you know, some level of, of sharing information.
0: Yeah yeah that makes sense. Now just uh, we've got some other things I want to cover in our time here, but uh Thomas specifically you you know when we were talking about this uh, um, you know earlier, you were saying like you've been asking questions of people like why is this gonna be so bad and and there there wasn't a lot of specifics I think you said that were coming back. so what's your like tell me a little bit more about why you think this might be an overblown um, thing? You know, it's, well,
1: it's just I, I was kind of joking around about the fact that there's there's a lot of concern around this, but not a lot of specifics around the actual impact. And I, th- the reason for that, I think, is a lot of folks don't know exactly what this is going to be. You know? And it is you were asking about when the timing is going to happen. Google did push it out, so it's pushed out again. So there's a lot of ramp up and, and uh, you know there's a lot of ability to prepare for the change as well.
2: Okay. Um, and
1: I, I think that the true answer is it probably – it depends on what your strategy is. If you're not heavily reliant upon third-party cookies for digi- specifically digital audience building, you know, I, I, it's it's probably not going to have uh, much material impact on the way you go about doing business. And if you are, then you know, you're going to be you're going to need to think through some of the strategies that CW was talking about as well. You know, with that having been said, by and large, I do think that. Um, I, I'm a fan of, of, uh, security on, on the, you know, the extremes, the polar extremes of more secure and less secure for consumers. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan for the spirit of security and privacy always. And yeah. I think that this is the reason I bring that up is this is a, a good thing that's happening in the industry that community financial institutions can lean into. You know, they can, this is a, this fits their, you know, their main mission for keeping their own, um, account holder data secure and doing things in a way that are, that are secure and, and private, uh, you know, across their digital experiences. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think that's an, an important opportunity for them to, to lean into this and embrace it rather than see it as something that's going to be, um, negatively
0: impactful to their business. Okay. I think that's a, that's a great point to make. So I, I, Need Facebook, right? Speaking from the perspective of, of someone marketing at an institution, I need Facebook or Instagram, or, um, you know, but I'm, I'm not sure how much I, I want to be there or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little dubious. About my relationship and dependence on them. I mean, I can speak for myself. I've seen, you know, creators and people that I really follow and respect say like, you know what, I'm just going to try to like lean into email and, and reduce my reliance on, on social media as, as the primary communication channel. But what, what are you seeing from a, a data perspective? How, how should marketers think about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, CW covered I think really important points. I mean, when you when you look at it from a from a pure performance perspective, you know, a place you need to be, you know, the consumers um, are are expecting to be communicated in a in a multi-channel way, and they're expecting you to have a consistent conversation with them across those channels, and um, it's necessary to have a social media presence of some sort. So I, I think all those things are absolutely true. Now the real difficulty as a human and especially if you're you know I'm, I'm we're here to talk to you guys about marketing we're not here to preach obviously um, but <laughs> right, you know of when, course. The, the difficulty about that is there are some things that are being you know highlighted about um, the, the impact that whatever the social media um, platform is the impacts it has on our youth on us as a culture um, its ability to, to polarize opinions and it you know it begs the question of whether or not that's something, you know, a a judicious um, operator in society should continue to invest in. And that's a decision we all have to make as people. And I think as, um, you know, for community financial institutions in particular are are typically bastions of, um, support investing in their community. Okay. Financially as, as, as well as, you know, socially across their community. And I think it's, I think it's a decision-making criteria that goes beyond business performance. And, you know, I will say if we lean into things as, as marketers and business owners, there are ways to, um, in my mind, to supplement your social media presence or at least be judicious about how you go about operating on the social media platforms. Do you, um, you know, are, are you, um, you know, spending money there? Or are you having a, uh, we use the word first party, we can reuse it in this context, How um, much invested are you in your first party presence on these platforms? Are you getting organic traffic as well as paid traffic? So there's ways to use the platforms in a way that don't put as much money in those platforms' back pocket, but still um, realize some of the same uh, business and marketing goals you might have for, for being successful and being present in those platforms
0: okay is this uh kind of the issue that we were we were talking about earlier about like um, existing account holders versus like developing a new audience you know the, the people who are already uh you know supporting your institution or, or participating in and then you know you know the, the people you would like to have as as account holders like,
1: Yeah, I think for you know, I think for for building new audiences, I think we're going to see um, more and more investments over time in first-party audience building, or uh, in in the digital space using you know some uh, tried and true tactics of you know building audiences or collecting leads. I, I think that using your own website is going to be more and more critical for building audiences. We're finding you know at least the data that we see most of the people. Um, uh, going to financial institution websites are going there to shop you as an institution. And so it's a tremendous data asset for you for building anonymized audiences. Um, and, and building known audiences, I think are going to continue to be, if not, um, uh, at least as important, if not more important as we see changes in the digital industry.
0: Yeah. Cool. So, uh, I want to, I mean, just, you know, in the, in the interest of time, and, and we have a lot to cover here, but I want to, so I think I'm going to kind of shift us over to uh, kind of this idea of uh, maybe like a one-to-one conversation, right? And I think there's a couple things in there just at a high level. Um, you know, email has typically been something that you allows you to have a very direct conversation with your consumers, but there are some other options too that are that are kind of coming forward as, as good channels. Um You know, tell me a little bit about, uh, CW, let's start with you. What what are you seeing in the space as far as how um, one-to-one conversations are changing?
2: Yeah, so one-to-one conversations, obviously, um, very, very important. Um, They always have been. Um, But I think, you know, we're starting to see some really interesting things happen um, in the space of email, um, in the space of direct mail, in the space of you know, technologies that are are starting to like bridge the gap between um, print and digital, um, which is is pretty exciting. Um, and also, you know, there's some really exciting things going on with technology that are allowing us to, um, you know, interact with consumers on a one to one basis. I would say much more efficiently. So, in the past, you know, when we um, would execute uh, direct mail campaigns, it would be, you know target the list, you know, identify who we want to reach out to, you know, print the piece, mail the piece, you know, wait to see what happens, try to tie things back to a a mailing list. You know, all of, all of that was, um, all of that was sort of a, a laborious process, you know, and it may take, you know, 30, 45, 60 days to really understand if your direct mail, you know, was, was effective. Um, that's really not the case anymore um, as we look at um, divergent channels and technologies all coming together to create, you know, unique experiences. So, you know, for example, now direct mail, which I'm, you know, super excited about. I've been doing this for many, many years. I still love print. I still think it's very effective um, medium. You know, direct mail now um, with let's just take uh, QR codes. Let's just take, you know, um, Personalized URL, different different mm-hmm. technologies now that can be incorporated into a print piece. Um, that with one click or with a scan of a mobile device, you now have gone from print one-on-one interaction into you know a digital interaction, and those interactions can be highly trackable, right? So now we've we've sort of you know gone around this whole third-party cookie deficit. And we've created our 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 own engagement that is, you know, 100% trackable and known. And I, I'm just going to pass this off to Thomas with with this next comment because um, the, the the tech platform that we use, and um, in, in, in partnership with some of our vendors, um, is what makes some of these efficiencies, um, possible. And that is, you know, nowadays we can use direct mail as, as a really effective component within the context of a retargeting program. So, you know, as a marketer, you know, maybe I, um, um, engage, uh, with, with you as a consumer, you know, could be a variety of different things. You filled out a form, you've raised your hand in some regard, you've responded to something, maybe you've opened an email or, clicked on an email or done something. I can use those data points to say, Oh, I know who you are. I know you've engaged with my brand. Now I want to send you something in the mail. I want to, I want to get something in your mailbox now. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a game changer, right? Because now we're not wasting dollars sending direct mail to people who aren't interested. So really cool stuff. Um, and, and I'll pass it over to Thomas because, um, he and his team are doing a ton of work. Um, Around those those targeted um, sort of uh, one one to one capabilities. Well,
0: and if I might just interrupt very quickly, I, I, as as someone who's been you know doing as a copywriter, uh, but but doing marketing, you know, for a while now, like it it's it's amazing to me. I remember like reading about QR codes and and, and personalized URLs uh, eight years ago nine years ago yeah. and, and what they were going to do. Right. Yes. And, and I think that honestly for myself, I was kind of like, well, I'd, I guess that like that never happened. You know, I guess that future yes. didn't come about. Uh, and now it's uh, like, it clearly, you know, it was just a matter of timing. Uh, and Thank I think you, that's COVID. fascinating.
2: Thank you for, for COVID, <laughs> for teaching everyone how to use a, a QR code. That was okay. a game changer. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thomas, uh, uh, feel free to—I mean—respond re- to what CW is talking about here.
1: No, I think she made some uh, fantastic points, and you know, the as a, as a technologist, it's 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 fun to see the um, confluence of technologies. Okay, so like right now, um, and this is a good time to bring this up. A- Apple's releasing some things that are essentially making email open rates go away as a KPI. They were already problematic from a, from a read perspective, but they're going to be even more problematic for using it as a, as a decision making criteria for your campaigns. But wha- oh my. the, the, the <laughs> point you're seeing with um, direct that CW is making about direct mail is you can get the, um, you know, the KPI, the engagement KPI you might've previously relied on for email. You can now get it out of direct mail. And even in a, in a, more you know, durable way with the personal URL that you access. So it's it's really cool to see some of these things change and and grow and develop. Um, the the retargeting technology is absolutely amazing as well. The ability to um, you know what what you use is first party cookies to re-identify someone when they might visit you digitally. And you're, you're building this. This is where you know some of the um, community financial institutions know their their account holders better than anybody and they know them because they live in their community together. But as people have been at home more or are more, um, you know, digitally present than they might've been physically present in the past, it's important to complement that knowledge, that intimate knowledge of your consumer with some of these other, um, more programmatic techniques so that you can continue to have that full profile of your of your account holders. That's what's really exciting about the, all this, and I, it, it's a good loop back to what we were talking about earlier for collecting first party data over third party data. Um, this is you knowing them based on their interactions with you as a financial institution, institution versus you having to rely on some third party for telling you about people that are in your own community um, and and the the opposite. You know, for, for me, value applies, and that's that when you collect data on them, um, no one else can use that to their own intent, whether it be mm. you know um, nefarious or not. I think it's just the the point of saying you know when when we interact with our account holders, we're going to do so in a way that's secure. Um, and that has a spirit of privacy about it so that we can serve them better versus you know everyone else that has access to that data and giving it to them at the same time.
0: Yeah, which is what makes you're, sense. Doing I mean, when you're when you're running third-party cookies. To use an odd term, like the... the not- trust is not an odd term but there's almost a kind of intimacy with that trust right like hey this is this is data that we're collecting you know in a, in a highly ethical manner and and something that's you know uh, really baked into this relationship versus being something that we were relying on on somebody else to go out and scrape it for us that's right
1: you know and i, I think that's a it, it's a decision making criteria for me as an edu- educated consumer and i think it's going to Become more and more of a decision-making criteria for consumers as we move forward in time and and operate more and more in a digital space. So I think this was already happening. COVID just happened to have catalyzed it <laughs> to a significant degree. And so it's it's a it's it's something that that's here and it's it's here to
0: stay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm, uh, you know, again, in the interest of time, I know we, we, we're, we're about to come to a close here, but I really want some of the things that you guys were telling me, uh, uh that's happening in the world of, of SMS or text messaging is huge. Uh, and, and I want to give you both a chance to talk a little bit about how you see that affecting community financial institutions in the coming year.
1: Yeah. You know, we've been, we've been looking into, to, two um, main, um, you know, uh uh manifestations of text messaging. One is mass text messaging, which is uh comes from a short code uh, and is fully automated. And then we've also been looking into one-to-one text messaging, purely human-powered text messaging. I think I think are both very important strategies for all community yeah. financial institutions. Almost all, like 95% of text messages are read immediately. Um, you know, consumers generally prefer text messaging because it's not as interruptive as a phone call in their day. Okay. Uh, and, uh, lots and lots of businesses. There's a Gartner stat I pulled a couple months ago, but over the next year, you're going to see 40% more texts coming from businesses. And so there's a lot of folks getting into this space because they realize that this is the place to be for community FIs. I, I think that the mass text messaging, as a strategy is important, but it's going to be a much longer term strategy for them. Uh, you, um, It's governed different than a one-to-one text message released by a, a real person is. And so, um, they, they need to get opt-ins and it's um, there's a much higher opt-out rate inside that channel as well. Yeah, uh, And it's going to take them longer just to build that up and use it as a channel. And one-to-one text messaging, I think, is absolutely a, a must in the near future for providing you know, intimate service, uh, remote service, and for just reducing the effort for um, both your staff as a financial institution, as well as
0: your account holders as a financial institution. Wow. That's, I mean, that's incredible. CW, I mean, from your perspective, you know, delivering these these campaigns and these programs for institutions, how, how do you see this, uh, you know, how do you see SMS playing into things?
2: So I think, I think it has, um, a really important role, especially when we, we look at, um, account conversion, for example, um, as we drive more of that experience through apps or through the digital space, um, you know, imagine opening up an account, a checking account or a savings account online, or, um, trying to finalize, um, an acceptance of a loan, right. Or something of that nature, right. Things that, that maybe in the past traditionally took place in branch face-to-face with another human being um, or maybe even sometimes over a phone call Um, but now in the digital space increasingly important that we have these other channels like text messaging right Um, it's just a very immediate channel Mm -hmm. right where you can you can complete a transaction or if you need to share information or um, acknowledge something Text messaging is a super, super efficient way to get that done. So I see it as becoming um, like a very, very important part um, of engagement between uh, financial institutions um, and their uh, account holders or members.
0: Yeah. Speaking from personal experience, like I, the, 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 last, you know, it was a car loan uh, that I got, I was texting with the loan officer and I was like, this is amazing. I'm so glad I'm not having phone calls with you every time you're like, yeah, can I get this uh, document? Can I get that document? They're like, you know, just a quick text back. Sure. I'll get that to you as soon as I can.
2: Yes. Uh, and we've seen, we've seen examples of where that is not in place. Right. So that capability is not um, available and you know, just looking at the success metrics of um, you know um, opening accounts, it's it, it makes a, a huge impact um, on um, an institution's capabilities for converting and opening accounts in a really, really fast and efficient, efficient way.
0: That's so cool. Well, uh, w- this has been an amazing conversation. I, I want to just. Uh, you know, take us out on, on this last question, which is, uh, what's something that our listeners could be doing this week to position themselves for what's coming in 2020. Now I, I feel like I've created a big contrast there. Like these are big changes in a week is a short amount of time, but, but really like what's something that they can do, you know, this week to, to move towards this. Any of these changes. I CW, would say, go, yeah, you go first.
2: Sure, sure. I would say this week, um, take some time to think about what outcomes you want to drive in 2022. Right? What are the what are the sort of, you know, outcomes? What are the, the key performance indicators that you know, you want to track? Right? What are the things that you want to measure? And what are you trying to drive to? Um, I think having a plan and then executing against a plan is going to be really really critical and i say that because you know we all know marketing is expensive right these are mm-hmm. these are valuable dollars right we're throwing out there um in the world to try to make a difference um and and grow our business and so you know i know every day um that we are are working on programs for our clients i think about you know it in terms of spending my own dollars right you just want to be super efficient you want to be Super effective. So, I think having a plan, understanding what you want to drive and how you're going to measure that, and then applying a strategy and tactics. And, and the reason I say have a plan first is because once you go down the path of getting out there and market and doing things, I think you always want to be able to evaluate whether or not your strategy, your plan, your tactics are driving to the end game. That, that you desire, right? You, you want to make sure you're being efficient. You don't have time to waste, um, you know, investing in things that just aren't moving the needle for your program. So, um, you know, I would say, Zach, if you're only going to give us a week, a few days, then <laughs> I would say <laughs> that's the thing to focus on right now.
0: Well, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, and Thomas, what, what, from your, you know, from the more data driven perspective or, you know, the technology uh, ask, you know, perspective. What, what
1: yeah. You know, in, uh, the, the weak constraint is nice. You know, I, I think the thing I would encourage uh, all financial institutions to do is to um, check into your reliance on some of the things that we were talking about that are changing. What's what's your current reliance on third party cookies for your um, digital audience building? What's your, what are are those present on your website at all? Um, what's your reliance on, you know, email and KPIs around email? I think email is going to continue to be a good channel, but are you, are you, um, making a, you know, a large amount of your decisions based on those KPIs that we know are going to be retired. And I think just knowing that reliance, you don't even have to make any changes, will help inform you a lot throughout the year, this year and next year, as those changes come to life. So you'll know in the back of your head, okay, you know, I hear a lot of, you know, fear and change, and this is going to be terrible for me, but I've already checked into it. I know that it it's not going to impact me and, or it is going to impact me. So those are the two small things I would encourage people to to figure out before you go into the year.
0: Awesome. Well, CW and Thomas, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I think it's a lot of va- there's a lot of value here for our listeners, um, especially with the big shifts that are happening. So uh, thank you again. It's been amazing.
2: Thank you. Enjoyed the conversation.
0: Thanks, Zach. Thanks, CW. One consequence of living in the age of the Internet is that when a big tech company makes a change, the impact is felt by everyone. But you don't have to be held hostage by these platforms. There are lots of things your institution can do to establish strong, consumer-friendly marketing practices. It won't always feel easier, but I promise the end result will be much better for everyone. Thanks again for listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast produced and distributed by Kisasa. Our theme song was written by Victoria Kerr. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, and leaving a review. This helps other listeners to discover us. You can also send your comments and feedback to social at kasasa.com.